Do you have trouble turning off your brain meat at night? I invite you to take a break from your thoughts and listen to ours for a while. This is Overthinking with Steph. Quit overthinking alone, overthinking with Steph is better. We're overthinking together. Yep, that was stupid. Let's come up with a whole new intro. Oh, Steph. (laughs) So I am extremely lucky to have Portia in the studio with me today. I've known Portia for almost a year now, and I am just so looking forward to sitting down and talking with her about all of the projects that you have coming up, how you're doing, your personal life. You know, this year, this year has been <laughs> wild. It's like I keep waking up every morning and I'm like, oh no, what's, what else is coming? But you know, got to keep your head It's held going high. to get better. It will get better. It will get better. You mentioned on the phone yesterday when we were texting that you've had some like rough, like people are hating on you and sending bad vibes your way. And I'm wondering like what you do to keep your head held high, especially this year. But if you get any negative comments online, like how do you find support and what what do you do to keep your head up? Initially, when people were responding negatively to things that I posted, Mm -hmm. I would delete it. Yeah because there's always that sense of shame mm. that you, I did something to spark this. Yep. And I didn't want people that knew me to see these negative things and I didn't want to engage with people. But then I said, oh, screw it. You know, I'm gonna leave it there yep. because this is a way that people can see what we as I'm a use of inclusive gay. Mm-hmm. What we as gay people have to deal with and what we as black people have to deal with. Right. People started responding to the comments that I was leaving posted. Mm-hmm. And then eventually um, they just stopped. But they've begun to send me text messages. Or like and, direct messages yeah. where it wasn't. Oh, yeah. Facebook. You know, my phone number is out in so many places. Yep. So I get so many text messages yeah. that just for my own peace of mind and my wife's peace of mind, I did let my NPO see some of the things that were being sent to me. Mm. And um, it was bad. It's <sighs> it's frightening, but I'm old. I don't have a lot of time, mm. so I can't stop and regroup. Yeah. I have to push through. Yep. And the ultimate, I told you so, is that somebody follows through on this stuff, mm. you know? I mean, not that it's I that, want them that, to. Who are these people? They're strangers or people you knew from your past? Some, some comments are people that I considered friends. Wow. But then some are just people that they've tracked me down. Mm-hmm. Um, surprisingly, I get some really negative stuff from the um, LGBT community because I don't know whether people realize it or not, there's a lot of racial racial disharmony yeah. within the LGBTQ so community. So true. And you know, I've noticed it a lot more. A lot more things come out over yeah. the last couple of months, and I can't imagine that. It's just it breaks your heart, you know, because I'm a fixer. I want to fix everything quickly if something is broken. And these, you know, this is such a big conversation that needs to be had on a regular basis within. Uh, us, me as a white person, need to be, we need to be having these conversations within our groups of white people to make this, um, to raise more awareness because a lot of people aren't having those conversations and realizing that we are the problem. We're not just part of the problem, we're, we are the problem. And I think there's been a lot of silence 
for a long time, myself right. included. And now people aren't sure. A lot of people aren't sure how to navigate those conversations. But I've got a good support group. I have my wife and she's very supportive, but she's dealing with her own things within her professional organization. Yeah. And she's younger, and you can't see me patting myself on the back. <laughs> she's patting she's herself. Twenty years younger. Ooh. But um, I want to get back to that too she, afterwards. I want to hear your love story. Yeah, she's one of those people that is very big um, in the hierarchy mm-hmm. of her professional mm. organization, and people are used to her being just very um, like you, a fixer, mm-hmm. and she doesn't say that problems exist she mm. just quietly tries to fix them yeah. and she's with everything that's going on she is verbalizing things that she's been holding in mm. i haven't been holding things in for quite a while yeah you know and um i was telling somebody um a couple of days ago I'll say what I have to say and post what I have to post, but I'll follow it up with a few jokes mm-hmm. and, a, you know, to lighten the- you know, a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. Yeah. Well, my wife is kind of like mm, in your face, mm, mm-hmm. mm, mm, you know. Yeah. So we, sounds like you balance each other out. Yeah. We, we hold each other out. Yeah. And I've got um, quite a few young people. Yeah. That hold me up. Good. And check on me. Yeah. And it's just amazing. Is that the best feeling right now? Is that what you need and what helps you through the most is people just that, checking on you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. They call, they check, they text. And it's, it's just been very reaffirming that I have been somebody that they consider a friend or a mentor or a godparent. Yeah. Or even a parent, yep. and they feel the need to protect me and support me. I love that, especially during this time. I think that when you're not able to be close and hug people, and it can be taxing on mental health, and especially for our elders and senior citizens who may be lonely before the pandemic. Right? Yeah. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Where, what? How are how are your how are your people doing? Your 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 friends and some are not doing very well because yeah. we're not very tech savvy. Mm-hmm. So we're not very big on getting on Zoom. Yeah. Um, even FaceTime mm-hmm. can be a big thing for us. Right. I think we're going to work on that. I Somebody from Senior Source, Shannon, mm-hmm. contacted me this morning, and she wants to try and help set up something where we can do virtual things with our people. Social isolation was a big issue for us anyway. Mm -hmm. And now that we have to physically distance, it's even worse. Right. And loneliness, you know, when you're able to get out at least once a week, as we were doing for coffee and conversation, things like that, it it gave people something to look forward to. If I can make it through to Monday or I can make it through to Tuesday, Oh, wow. We were doing things every day of the week. Yeah. If I can make it through, it's going to be okay. But now we don't have that fallback thing where we can make it through and I'll see somebody and I'm able to talk with somebody. Right. And it's probably so hard because everything's so uncertain. It it probably feels like there's not a light at the end of the tunnel to look forward to, except, you know, those check-ins and the support of 
um, your community. And it makes me so sad to hear that there is so much hatred within our own community and negativity within the LGBT community. And, you know, I just, I personally want to like make everything right, you know, and I can't, I'm just one person, but I feel like even one person, we have, we have the power to, to change things in our own world, right? In our own conversations, in our own friend groups, with this podcast, with my platform on Instagram, one person, it's like, you think that you might not make a difference. And like you have made a difference in so many people's lives that you probably don't even know about, myself included. I just think about the shoot, the Google shoot we did in August, you know, and the, the friends that we made there and the connections we made there oh, and, yeah. and Alexa and, you know, all of these people talk about you and how you were one of their favorite people to meet that day and how your story left a last, lasting impact. And you know, that, that's why I'm like, I need to have Portia on this podcast so that more people can hear about your life, what you're doing, the Silver Pride Project. I just want to say thank you for for pressing on. And I, even though, like, it, I can't imagine this year how, you know, devastating it can be and lonely, but you're just, you're such a light. You are. You're a bright light. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You know, you, you, you really hit upon it you are doing, you are making a change. You know, you are, we toss that term around loosely about amplifying somebody's voice. Yeah. But you are giving at least me a chance to say things that need to be heard outside of my little group. Yeah. And it's so much appreciated. That means a lot. I, that's really my goal with this podcast is letting people getting like an inside look at the people that I know and I've met along the way on my adventure. Right. I meet some of the greatest people. And, you know, if only they could see like these strangers around the world, what I see in everyone. And I'm hoping this gives people a glimpse into, you know, the good in the world and the good people that I've met along the way, and also some of the hard things, too, that a lot of people don't want to talk about, the hard things that keep us up at night, you know, really humanizing us as individuals. I think that's important. Yes, Real-life stories. It is. Yeah. And so I, I want to talk to you. I know we kind of worked in reverse, but uh, about Silver Pride Project and, you know, why you started it, what it is, and, you know, how it's helping people, you know? In our community, aging is almost like having to be in the closet again. Mm. People don't see you. They can look at you and they look right through you. They don't see you. You know, youth and beauty, they're like the mainstays of the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah. And once you, you've aged out of that beautiful area Mm -hmm. you don't exist anymore and it's very sad because we have spent our lives connecting because all we had was each other and now we're at that age where the friends that we've made have died off Mm. or they've moved into assisted living or nursing homes 
we're on so many medications that we can't just hang out at the bars and drink. Yeah. Our knees hurt. Our backs hurt. <laughs> you know. I'm 37, Portia, and my knees hurt already. Well, wait till you <laughs> wait till you get to be my age. And so you're telling me you don't wobble anymore? Oh my god. <laughs> I think you probably do. I get. I have my moments. <laughs> we feel like we don't exist anymore. Mm. And um. I, I worked with a couple of organizations in Dallas, but they were not feeding my soul. Mm. They were not doing what I felt needed to be done. And I'm not, it's not that I'm putting these organizations down. It's just that it takes somebody who is living an experience mm. in order to understand what needs to be done. That's true. So if you have an organization that's controlled by 30 or 40 year olds, they don't really understand what somebody in their 60s and 70s need. Right. You think you do, mm. but you think it's just a slower version of you. Yeah. And that's not so. So interesting. Do you think that the, I find that the problem is, I'm interested to hear your thoughts, that a lot of people enjoy talking and sharing about themselves and we forget to listen. We forget to listen to someone else's story, what's important to them, what's hard for their, their like, and so that we can relate to them and really meet them where they're at. And I wonder if that's the case too with our LGBTQ elders to where if they're if you're all feeling invisible we're doing something wrong on our part myself and like my the younger generation to where why aren't we listening right why aren't we taking the time to hear those stories that you've been through when with your coming out experience your your first pride like those are things that you know like you said you're you know getting older time is valuable I'm, you know, almost 40, and I think of that every day, how I'm going to spend, you know, you never, you're not promised tomorrow. And what is important is listening to our community and our people and bringing people together. And I just think there's not enough listening happening. What do you think? That is very true. Yeah. Very true. We, I think perhaps it has to do with what we are saying is not of interest to you. You are, for example, you're well-traveled, mm -hmm. and we may have done that in the past, and yep. we're still doing it, but you're traveling, you're working, you're, you're, you're hanging out with your friends, you're, you're, you have these shared interests yeah. with those of your generation. Mm. And I may just want to talk about how bad my back hurts. Yep. yep. I may just want to talk about 30 years ago mm -hmm. when I was still popping. Yeah. And somebody in my generation, they get it. Yeah. Because that's what they that did. That was their lived experience too. Right. Yeah. So one thing that I noticed with our coffee and combos mm -hmm. is we would live in the past. We would, 
it would be the funniest thing because <laughs> we we would just get together and talk about back in the day, back in the day. Yeah. Well, somebody young has no interest in back in the day. Mm. Not even when we talk about things like the H, the AIDS crisis yeah. or things like that, because that's not something they relate to. Mm. They don't relate to that fear yep. because now you can take a pill Mm. and be all buff and look good and everything and HIV doesn't affect your life as drastically as it did those men of my generation and they lived through that I mean they lived to that's a lot of them didn't see that's, that's true that's the thing some of us are still here I'd love to say that but I sit and I think about how many friends I lost yeah and being in the nursing profession, how many friends I took care of that I lost. Mm. And it, each loss was personal. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, and, and, and only somebody who lived through that with me can relate. Yeah, yeah. And everybody of my generation lived through that. Mm. I mean, I, I, I dare you to find one person in the LGBT community that didn't lose at least five friends. Wow. I won't even say one, at least five. Wow. How old were you around? How old were you when all of that was happening? It started, uh, let's see. Oh gosh, I'm like 65. So, ooh, and it really got big, like the eighties, early eighties, like 80. Yeah. So, because I was born in '83, so it was around. Wow! And and it was actually happening before we could put a word, a name to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the gay cancer. Yeah. And I was in. I lived in the Midwest, so we really just knew that people, our friends, were dying, but we weren't as savvy about it as they were in like San Francisco. Right. So it's very difficult. And those are the things we like to talk about because those are the things that made such a big impact on our lives. But they also led to us coming together in a way that I don't believe members of the gay community ever did. You know, it was always so segregated. Mm. It was the lesbians, the dykes, you know, and then the guys. And they wanted nothing to do with us. But then when they started getting sick, Yep. We stepped up. Yeah. Because those were our brothers. Right. And that did a lot to make community. And I think that we've had so many good things happen that we've lost that feeling of community. Mm. So many beautiful boys. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) I can close my eyes sometimes. And I can just see them in the progression. You know, it can be like things happen so rapidly. You know, you could be out at the club with somebody Mm. or you could see somebody at the drugstore. Yeah. And then two weeks later, you see them and they're on a cane and they are wasting away. It happens so quickly. Oh, my gosh. So I recently watched Pose for the first time and I saw that you met 
You oh. met Dylan. Is it Dylan? Dylan? Yes. Yes. He Isn't is he dreamy, right? Oh my God. Because you met him just like last week, right? Oh, no. I had met him initially at um, the Creating Change Conference. Oh, that's right. Okay. That's when that was. Yeah. So tell me, why don't you walk us through what that experience was like? And you asked him a question and I want, I want to he- hear that answer. I was telling him, you know, the people on the show, are portraying us back in the day Mm -hmm. because it's not this isn't pose is not taking place in 2020 right it's taking place back when I was younger exactly and so we were just talking about that and laughing and he was talking he said something and I said well who is your favorite lesbian sing- senior and he was like well you of course and (laughs) I swear to God Steph I blushed. You would have thought I was a schoolgirl. <laughs> I could feel myself turning red. Oh, he made your day. <laughs> I love did. that. I he love did. that. He did. He's adorable. But watching that show really opened my eyes to the AIDS crisis and how quickly you can lose someone. And I've never experienced that. A lot of uh, in our generation have not experienced that. And, you know, I think it is important to hear those stories from people like you and that's why the Silver Pride Project is so important. Um, how would you describe that that project, what you have, your organization, and why did why did you start it? I know we started in on that, but why don't okay. you explain it to people? I started it initially for the social aspect, but as we began to meet and get together, mm-hmm. I realized that we needed to do more than just socialize. Yeah. When you're a senior and you're on fixed income, mm-hmm. you're sometimes you're barely scraping by. And if you have a pet, sometimes, and we all spoil them, mm-hmm. you're sitting there <laughs> with Rusty, yeah, yeah. spoiling him. <laughs> and so sometimes you will do without in order for your pet to mm, have food yeah. or go to a vet if he's sick. Right. So there's so many of us that we're scraping by. And then you think about the cost of living Mm -hmm. and having some place to live. Only you don't want to live in an environment where the people are homophobic. Mm. And this isn't necessarily speaking to the employees in a in a nursing home or an assisted living. I'm talking about the people that are your same age that were told how nasty you were because you're gay, how wrong, how I'm not even going to use some of the terms because they're triggers. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we were discussing how wonderful it would be to have senior housing for the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. And um, before the pandemic happened, we were speaking, talking to members of SAGE to see about how we could do that because they've been doing that in different parts of the country, especially in New York. Mm. And I actually was working to bring SAGE into Dallas into Texas because there is no SAGE affiliation here. Mm -hmm. So we were working to partner, Silver Pride Project was working to partner with SAGE. SAGE is service, it's it's the largest 
LGBT senior organization mm -hmm. in the country. It's the premier uh, gold standard mm -hmm. of what you want uh, a senior organization to be. It's service and advocacy for gay elders. Mm -hmm. And the closest analogy I could make is it's like the AARP mm -hmm. of the gay com LGBTQ yeah. community. Got it, okay. So um, we were working to bring SAGE here to the community. And um, they actually sent someone to Texas and did a one-on-one -on -one training session with me in order to, for me to become a SAGE certified cultural competency trainer. Okay. We do have cultural competency training in this area, but in my opinion, it's a more sanitized version mm. because you try and cover all age groups. Yeah. And SAGE is very specific. Yeah. It's seniors. Yep. It's all about us old people. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, I think, so how long has Silver Pride been around? Three years. Three years. Wow. Um, so I want to talk about pride in general and some of your stories like maybe your first pride parade or your coming out experience was it were you raised in a religious environment did your parent how did your parents take it were you younger oh, or older I have um I was kicked out of my house when I was 15 so I've been on my own since I was 15 um I grew up I spent my formative years in Gary Indiana mm. And um, so it wasn't a very uh, gay-friendly environment like, say, Chicago was, mm -hmm. which I moved to as quickly as I could. Yeah. And so there was always, for me, there was always this feeling of uh, being alone, yeah. being on my own, having nobody to look after me except me. As I got older, um, say 18 or so, I realized that there were more people out there like me, mm -hmm. but it was such a small, small community. And most people were not out. Yeah. I actually had a, um, <laughs> I had a girlfriend uh -huh. who had a boyfriend. Yeah. And the boyfriend didn't know that I was his girlfriend's girlfriend. Yep. And um, I wound up getting shot. <gasps> yeah. What? Girl, I have been. I have By been, him? By the I, boyfriend? Yeah, the boyfriend. <gasps> yeah. I have been shot. I have been stabbed. What? That's why there isn't a whole lot that can scare me now. Yeah. Because I've been through it. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that. So you were a teenager when that happened? Yeah. Well, when I got shot, I was 21. Um. Yeah, I was 21. I spent a year in the hospital. Did you have anyone to take care of you during that time? I, I was in the hospital for like a year. It's not like it is now. I mean, and plus this was a sawed-off shotgun. Oh so gosh. they couldn't just discharge me because of this big gaping wound in my abdomen. Oh, my gosh, Portia. And um, I was a scrappy little something. He was trying to shoot me in the face. And I was like, okay. I was like, if I die, I'm not going to die with my yeah. face blown off. We're going to fight. And he wound up shooting me <gasps> in my stomach. So Because he found out about yeah. the girlfriend? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we, we 
kind of didn't hear the door open. Yeah. So. Oh, my gosh. It's been an interesting life. And stabbed? Oh, yeah. But that was a girl. That was a chick. Oh, my goodness. So when did you actually come out? Like, uh, When I was 15. You came out to your parents then? Well, m- my... Actually, I was caught. I got caught. Yeah. Literally in the closet. <laughs> wow. Like in the literal closet. <laughs> in the literal closet. Of all places. Yeah. Wow. So um, it's, it's been an interesting life, and everything has led to this. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That is, there's something to say about, you know, those stories of kids who get kicked out of their their houses still to this day and you know I wish I would have had people like you when I was young you know when my parents weren't accepting and to hear you know stories of of hope and you know have real conversations about what it's like to save yourself and take care of yourself you yeah know? wow oh my gosh so what what um I have two more questions for you because I want to talk about did you what was your pride experience like like during like Stonewall and did you ever go to pride parades or I I the first pride parade that I went to because that was like a celebratory thing Mm -hmm. and I was never I was too busy trying to live yeah so the very first one that I went to, I went to with my wife. And she wasn't my wife. She was my girlfriend at that time. And uh, she lived in Chicago. And we worked. We both worked at the same emergency room. And we went to that parade. She lived, um, she lived in Boys Town. Mm-hmm. And the parade, like, she lived, like, a block from the parade route. Mm. And I stayed up all night making us these shirts, you know, and everything so we could look cute, which yeah. we did. Was this the one that you posted yeah. on Instagram the other day? I love that. Yeah. yeah. So um, everybody was so, I, I can't even describe it. I mean, there was nothing, no shame. Yeah. No shame. That was the first time that I had been in crowds of people and I didn't have to wonder what are they thinking about me? Yep. Yeah. There was just no shame. I wish I had done it sooner. Yeah. Yep. And I, I, I've, I always said for years that there was nothing like a Chicago gay pride parade until I went to my first parade in San Francisco. <gasps> You've been, I haven't been oh to Oh, my God. Paint the scene for me. What's it like? Okay, so Chicago's parades are big, and it's a party, and it's just massive. Yeah. And I always brag about it. And we were living in California, and we decided to go to what the parade. What year was this? This was San Francisco. Ooh, can't think of what year it was um but we had been together at that point i think like five years so was it like 80s 90s no this was this was it was in the 1990s say 1995 okay or four yeah so we went to this parade and i'm 
we had seats in the grandstand and I'm just telling everybody around me, uh, you can't beat a Chicago parade, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm just going on and on. And I had my hat on, my baseball cap and yep. everything. And these people started coming. And then the dykes on bikes started yeah. coming. And it just never ended. And then the PFLAG contingent yep. came. And it was so many of them, so many parents, so many family members of gay people. And it was just waves and waves and waves. Yeah. And I just stood up and I just took off my hat. And I was like, you know, this is amazing. Yeah. Because up until that point, I didn't even realize that there were people that were supported by their families. Yeah. That it was such. It was foreign. Like that wasn't the. And that parade went on for hours i mean it just seemed like it would never end so the parade in san francisco was the experience of a lifetime oh my gosh that's like do you have photos from that oh, i would love to see some of those at some point gosh yes and that was back in the day of aol yeah <laughs> and putting all of your pictures on aol yep. and then aol went oh, defunct yeah. so but fortunately, I made, I would always burn my pictures on, on the CD-ROMs. So I've got all of these pictures and all of these DVD, uh, CDs with all of these images and just... Memories. So many memories. Gosh. And, you know, I always said, who can I leave this to? Yeah. Because this is my life. Yeah. And this is Tanya's life. Yeah. And then we've got her niece who is family. Oh, good. Well, actually, both are, this is the weirdest thing. And oh my God, I don't know who's going to hear it, but this, but everybody knows. <laughs> okay, so Tanya has two brothers. Mm -hmm. And she's the only gay person. Yeah. And then her father only had one sister. And his sister was gay. Really? And then each one of her brothers only has one daughter. Okay. And each of those daughters are gay. Isn't that the wildest thing? Wow. Oh, my gosh. So you have people to leave those memories it's with. It's that gay gene. Yep. Yes. <laughs> and now I, there are people that I can leave my memories with because we're very close. I think sometimes her family, I'm closer to her family yeah. in a lot of ways than she is mm -hmm. because I'm so much older. So... I'm like their mother, auntie, yeah. mother, sister, yep. mother, grandmother, you right, know. Right. I also want to talk quickly, because um, I know we have to wrap up here in a, a bit, about that Google shoot that we did and where we first met and what your experience was like there meeting all of those people for the first, most of them for the first time, right? It was the most amazing experience. And I had no idea what it was until I was sitting on your couch. Yeah. And I've uh, just looking at these beautiful people and thinking, oh my God, oh my God, these, these people, they're listening to what I have to say. Yeah. And they weren't my friends. Mm -hmm. I'm used to people that know me having an interest in what 
I feel or what I have to say. But these were complete strangers. And some of them, like Alexa, Alexa's my God baby now. Oh, I know. I've That's seen my God baby. <sighs> She's good people. She is. Yeah. And just meeting people that didn't know your background, didn't know whether you were a good person or a nice person, but meeting these people that seemed they were so comfortable to be around. Yeah. Looking around, it, it seemed like a lot of those people knew each other before, like were friends for a long time. And they, most people met that day. I know. Yeah. It was so weird. And there was, it was so great that we were all part of the LGBTQ community. But, I mean, there were some elders there who had never met a trans person. Yeah. You know? So to hear those stories and watch those connections, it was a, it was a big deal. You know, one of the things that I treasure, one of the memories from that day that I will treasure is because we, we were all from different socioeconomic backgrounds, mm -hmm. is explaining to um, one of the guys mm -hmm. who was in my age group about Silver Pride Project and why it was so important. Yeah. And it was like a light came on because he's in a higher income bracket mm -hmm. and it just never dawned and he even admitted it had never occurred to him that there was a need for an organization like that yeah. because not everybody has money right not everybody is able to just pack up and go visit some exotic place mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and listening to Lucy and yeah. just, she made me feel so good because she said, you know, you opened my eyes to something. Yeah. And yeah. when somebody tells you that, you know, you always want to feel that you've, you've educated one person, even if it's just one for an entire lifetime. Yeah. But to know that somebody was able to view things differently because you brought together this diverse group of people and made put us in an environment where we were able to have conversations with each other. Yeah, yeah. It was an amazing thing that you did. Yeah. I will probably on the day that I die, if I have the opportunity to replay certain situations that's going to be one that i'm going to replay yeah in that that film or that video of of your life that goes by so quickly mm -hmm. i want that to be one of the things that replay because it was such a perfect perfect moment in time yeah it felt very important it felt like a very important day um and do you have like one memory that sticks out like that you'll kind of carry with you from that day like one specific one sitting listening to alexa yeah. and chris mm -hmm. talking about the difficulties that they had with their families and sitting there listening to them knowing that i have all this love to give and they're sitting there 
needing somebody to love them yeah. and accept them. Yeah. And I, I, I only interact with Chris now on social media, but Alexa and I get together all the time. Yeah. And that's, that's my baby. Yeah. That's my baby. <sighs> to hear you say that and to see, I remember you, you cried when I asked you to be part of that day. And that just, that left a lasting impact on me and seeing the relationships that formed during that day and because of that day, you know, that's what I will take with me when I die, you know? You should, because you did good, girl. <laughs> you did good with that. Thank you. you. I feel like it was one of those things where a lot of the people that I brought together and chose to be part of that day, I hadn't met some of them, but I knew it's like the, when I was choosing people and picking people, it's like, it was meant to be something like I knew these people would vibe, they would listen and they had a story to tell and their voice needed, um, needed to be heard. Their story needed to be heard. And I just feel like it went exactly how I would have hoped maybe better. Yeah. Yeah. It had to have been better because yeah. I can't imagine. I, I could, I can't imagine you seeing that because how would you know yeah that it could be so perfect yeah so beautiful the universe brought the right people together yeah. it really did and I want to ask you a question that I usually end podcasts with and it's what keeps you up at night what keeps me awake is I don't want to leave until the world is better for her mm. because she's 20 years younger yeah. so by the time she's my age I am probably not going to be here any longer. And that's why it's so important for me that I do as much as I can now yeah. to make sure that there are things in place for her yeah. when she's my age. Because my responsibility in the relationship is to take care of her. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything from killing bugs <laughs> and taking out the trash. You're a caretaker. Your caretaker. So I yeah. want the world to be better for her. I, I don't want to die until I know that she's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. And that keeps me awake at night, yeah. trying to figure out how can I make sure that all of the things that I know I need as a 65-year-old yep. are in place for her when she's 65. Mm. And if I can help somebody else along the way, mm -hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. But the primary purpose is to make the world better for her. Yeah. How long have you all been together? 20, almost 23 years. And how long have you been married? Um, ever since it became, marriage became legal for LGBT people in Oklahoma. Okay. She called me. She was at work. Yeah. And I'm disabled, retired, so mm -hmm. I'm home all the time. And she said, you know what? We're going to go get married tomorrow. Aww. And we went to JCPenney <laughs> and got some rings. Aww. Didn't know we needed to have witnesses. So we went and we got the license. And they said, well, you're going to need witnesses. So we had to find somebody to marry us. And we got two guys that were waiting to get married to be our witness. And because everything was so crowded, everybody was trying to get married. The minister 
married us in the corner of this building. <laughs> People were walking between us and everything. Wow. And, and then uh, we got married. We stopped at the casino. Yeah. I won $50. Yes. And then um, we came back home. I was living in, we were living in Oak Lawn. Mm -hmm. This is like a three-story house. So we drove into the, the garage and opened the door from the garage to come into the house. And I said, wait, I'm going to carry you over the threshold. <laughs> now, I have a bad back. Mm -hmm. So she said, okay. So I picked up one leg. <laughs> And I hopped her over the that one leg over the doorway. Yep. And I said, okay, I'm done. You did it. You did it. <laughs> and it was just the best feeling. And that's been, I don't know what, five years or mm -hmm. something. Yeah. And I still cannot get enough of saying my wife. Mm. I can work my wife into any conversation. I don't care what you're talking about. Yep. I can bring it around to the point where I'm able to say my wife. Yeah, I love that. She's everywhere to you. She's everything. She is my everything. Oh, I love that so much. I just, I appreciate you talking with me and with us about that. Um, I want to leave with like you saying maybe one message of hope for younger, a younger generation, maybe a message to them about what you hope that they will take from you and your life and what our elders need from us? You know, I was 15, I was 21, I was 30, I was 40, and now I'm 65 and I'm struggling. Mm. I'm struggling. And one day you will be struggling if you don't work to make a change now. Everything that I'm going through, you will go through if you don't help me and those of my generation make change mm. for the betterment of LGBTQ seniors. Yeah. And how do we find Silver Pride Project so we can, can we volunteer when things get back to? Oh, what? absolutely. Okay, um, Silverprideproject.com. We have a website. It's kind of stagnant now because I'm so busy with other things. Right. Um, also, we have a Facebook page. We're on Instagram, Silver Pride Project. We're on Twitter, Silver Pride Project. And I'll make sure to tag all of these and make sure people find find you. And, you know, I want to be more involved. I know so far it's been mostly me just having the conversations with you and, you know, taking photos and making those memories. But I want to volunteer my time, too, and, and have, like, game nights and... and show up for for all of you yes because you know documentation is 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 the thing i love how you've documented all of these love stories and everything someday those pictures that you did for google yeah people will look back at yep. and i would love for you to once things get more normal not that i ever want them to go back to being normal mm -hmm because my wife lets me eat bacon now. And now I have this little, this little young kid, yeah. young guy, he's like 30, that lives next door to me. And he knows when Tanya's not home. Cause see, <laughs> if I cook bacon in my house, she'll smell it when she gets home from work. Yep. So, you know, he texted me, he's like, oh, you want me to sneak you some bacon over? <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, I just not. appreciate you so much taking the time to sit down, especially during a pandemic and safely sit down and, 
and share your story. I feel like we could talk for hours. And thank you. You're, you're making me more human to those that may see my pictures on Instagram or something like that. You know, they've never heard my voice. They don't know my stories and they don't know who I am. But you're giving me a platform to become more human to them. And hopefully that's going to make them treat elders in their lives differently. I sure hope so. I sure hope so. I think that um, I want to do my part and I hope that everyone listening will as well. And to hear more stories like Portia's and um, her wife's story and, you know, all of the people that you work with at, at Silver Pride Project, those stories are, that's, that's all we have. We have those memories and the stories and the, the photographs and the CD-ROM of your memories from Pride, you know, that is what lives, they live on. Yeah. And I, I know that you have, will leave a legacy that is like no other. And I just appreciate you in my life. Well, hey, thanks for overthinking with Steph. Can't wait to hear from you on the social. So make your way over to at Steph's podcast on Twitter and tell me your thoughts. Catch the breakdown on Patreon where we get into the nitty gritty and overthink the conversations in this episode. Until next time, keep creating scenarios that will never actually happen and live your one damn life. Don't you hate it when you wake up first thing in the morning? Mind is stirring. It's a wreck. Oh, I think I was sad. Cool your jets. Go to bed. Get out of your head. I love all of your bacon posts. Gosh. Oh my gosh. Bacon so is one of the best things. It is. I like it extra crispy.